This is going to be powerful tonight. You know, over the last eight weeks, we've had some incredible speakers that have joined us here at Table Talk, as you know. Guess what? We've seen 200, and the last count I got was 204 people born again into the kingdom of God. 204 people saved. So let's thank God for all of those folks who have been born again. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Of all the guys that I've had on here, you know, and, and ladies, it's, it's been super powerful. But I've been looking forward to this one. And this is a relationship night. I know these men very well. I respect them very much. These are generals in the kingdom of God. These are fathers in the faith. And tonight, we're going to receive wisdom from two of God's very best. So I want to welcome tonight, Pastor Dick Burnell. Welcome, sir. So glad you're with us. Thank you, Bishop Rick. I'm honored to be here with you and my good friend Joe, and looking forward to it. Yes, sir. And then Pastor Joe Morgan from Tennessee. Pastor Joe, we love you, sir. Likewise, my friend. Thank you so much for the honor, the privilege this evening. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you both for being here. Listen, we have been coming out of, you know, we started this year, 2020. Everybody was preaching on 2020 vision. And we ran right into the virus and out of the virus, right into violence. And this, this year has been just transition after transition. There's a lot, of, a lot of turbulence in the atmosphere. And we want to hear from guys like you. Um, I was looking at Isaiah chapter 21 and verse 11 and 12. And we kind of honed in on these verses of scripture for these table talks. Where the Bible says that the burden of Duma... They call out to me from Mount Seir, and they say, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman reply, The morning is coming, then the night. And he says, Inquire or go back and ask again. And so this whole intrigue from this area called Seir to an area called Duma, and Duma means silent, by the way. It's like a group of people is crying out, Somebody say something, right? And when this pandemic hit, March 11th was, they say, was the beginning. CDC commission said that's when the pan, it was declared a pandemic in our nation. I was looking for national voices to really stand up and give some kind of direction. And more than direction, give some instruction as well. And this is the same scenario here in Isaiah chapter 21. The word watchman in Hebrew is the same word in Greek as episkopos, which is over vision scopos is vision epi is over the vision and it's a cry for wisdom they want an authoritative answer but they want an answer of wisdom well that comes from seasoned men it comes from men and women of god like issachar the tribe of issachar people who understood the times and knew what to do so i want to just go there first um pastor dick what we we haven't talked very much about this year. You know, I mean, we've talked a few times, but give us, give us your reply. What do, you, what do you feel about 2020? What in the world is going on? Well, Bishop, if I may, uh, in February, I was doing a family Bible study at my daughter-in-law and my daughter and son-in-law's house, good friends of yours, Sean and Sarah. Yeah. And my sister and a few friends and uh, some invited guests. And the night before, which was a Wednesday night, the Lord woke me up and I began to write. 
And I didn't, I really didn't like what I was writing. Wow. I mean, it was like I had no say or control over this commentary. Mm -hmm. And I shared it. This is February now. Everything's yeah. good. Life's good. The world's good. And when we got to the Bible study, my sister Juanita was talking about all these prophets that are prophesying this is going to be the greatest year ever. And I and I, I was reticent to even share what was on my my yellow pad. Wow. And I I looked at the 20 people there in the front room and I said, uh, let me share what I believe the Lord gave me and I hope I'm wrong. I hope to God I'm wrong. Mm. 2020 is going to be messy. Mm. It's going to be confusing. It's going to be scary. But starting in July, things are going to turn wow. economically. And I had no idea about the COVID-19. And, and, and people were looking at me. Yeah. The word I got from the Lord in that night in February was get ready. Some confusing stuff is coming, perplexing, vexing, uh, even scary. Mm. But hang on, because it's not going to last forever, and there's going to be a turn. And then I said this. I said about this time next year, there's going to be a major turn wow. around February, March of 2021. And Rick, you know, you and I have been best buddies for a long time. Right. I do not consider myself to be a prophet, but I can prophesy. Yeah. I'm not, I don't even sometimes consider myself to be a pastor, but I can pastor, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, like Joe and like you, we wear, we wear a lot of different hats, right? That thing, that thing got on me at three 30 in the morning. Wow. And I tried to go back to sleep and I couldn't. And I, and I just, I just kept reading what I wrote. And I thought, dear God, where did that come from? Yeah. But I, I had to share it. Yeah. And so what I, what I, what I'm getting out of this is, uh, these last five months or so ha have been perplexing, confusing, troubling, mm -hmm. vexing of soul and spirit, economically disastrous in many different many different arenas and areas, as you know. Mm -hmm. But I believe, as you always say, and I quote you, I quote you often, it isn't God sent, but it's definitely going to be God used. Yes, I fully agree. And wow, in February... You woke up at 3.30 and wrote that down. Yeah. Pastor Joe, I know that you have, I've watched you through this thing and something got on you about this deal. You just kind of stepped up in your rhetoric about the prophetic, what God is saying, what God is doing. And it's almost like a fresh mantle fell on you, both of you guys. But Pastor Joe, I, I've noticed a shift and, and what, what do you feel? What, what is God speaking to you about 2020 and, and this, whole, this whole time period? Thank you, sir. Uh, you know, for me, I made a statement yesterday, and uh, I really believe this, that God is wrecking the church so he can build the church. Mm. Um, I, I really believe, along with, with what... Uh, our good friend, Pastor Dick Burnell, has said, um, yes, things are messy, and uh, there's a lot going on right now. I, somebody asked me the other day, and, and I think even one of your questions was, have you ever seen anything like this? And, and of course, my first response to someone just recently was, 
the closest thing when this thing first started back in March and as it uh, moved and escalated, uh, I, I thought about the 60s and yeah. I thought about the 70s and, and, and my mind immediately went to when we, uh, we had taken our church choir to a place called Trinity, Alabama, and I was preaching and the choir was singing and and we got a call when I was in the pastor's office that night and said, uh, if you guys allow your uh, black Americans to sing in that church tonight, we are going to burn a cross in front of the church. And, wow. and so I began to reflect, think back. And um, and initially I began to run a parallel with 60s and 70s, the burning of crosses and buildings and, and a lot of the protesting and the rioting, rioting and and of course, the the uh, legendary Dr. Martin uh, Luther King, who uh, did such an amazing work, and and of course, his dream was to to protest with uh, without violence. Mm-hmm. But for that's what I'm saying to you is that no, I haven't seen anything like this uh, in my lifetime. Uh, but I do know this. The Bible says if there are any oxen in the stall, there will be a mess. And I'm mm. going to pick up on what Pastor said. I think sometimes things have to get messy. Things have to become wrecked somewhat and uh, renovated, if you will. And, you know, renovation has always been a nasty process. It's much easier to build afresh than it is to remodel and renovate. Right. Because you're dealing with free and dust, et cetera. And I just really believe that we are in a in a season of renovation. I think the church is being renovated right now. Uh, I think obviously it goes without saying that God is 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 very much in love with the church. He loves His people, and and I don't think we need to be discouraged. We need to be encouraged because something good is yeah. brewing. Something is happening. And, you know, really, when you read the Bible, the very right off the bat in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and, of course, you guys know the scripture in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form. It was void. There was darkness upon the face of the deep. It was a chaotic world, if you will. Mm -hmm. But then, as the Spirit of God moved, Mm. and God said, I know about God, and I have decided, and discerned about God is that when he moves, there's always a voice to follow. Mm. And I really think that there is a tremendous undergirding and moving of his presence right now. And I think we're in the birth pains of something amazing about to happen. And and one of the things that I know that God spoke uh, for me, I was, I was reading, and you guys are probably familiar some time ago, about King Adonai Bezek. And uh, this particular king was a very perverted king. And um, he took, the scripture says that he took 70 other kings and um, he would cut their thumbs off and he would cut their big toes off, thus incapacitating them forever and um, never being able to have the capacity to come in to a place of rule and authority. Mm-hmm. And and so what I'm saying to you, and of course, when they captured him, uh, it, it is said that King Adonabazek, he thrilled and, and he was so twisted and perverted that he loved to bring these previous kings that he had cut their thumbs off and their toes. Of course, we know that is significance there uh, having to do with balance, equilibrium, strength, being able to lock in with our fist. 
And, and so, but he would bring them to his table and, and some of the historians would talk about how he would laugh and he would do mockery of them as they would spill their, their goblins, the big cups, because they couldn't lock the cup in. Mm -hmm. and, and so scripture says, but God did to him the same as he had done to 70 other kings. And I've said that to simply say this, that I believe the church is trying to find its equilibrium. I believe the church is in a shifting right now. I believe the church is in the birth pains of trying to find its niche in its place. I know for me, just like you guys, we've talked to so many pastors during the week that uh, I've actually had them call probably like you as well. What do we do? Should we have church? Should we not have church? Yeah. We've got somebody in church. I've got calls from Florida, what have you. But, but, but I'm just saying that something amazing is about to be birthed out of yes, this. Yes. And uh, I just know that I know that God is, is in charge, never loses charge. Powerful. So chaos, I agree with you. We're in a chaotic condition. And a phrase we've been using around here is that chaos is the birthing place of change. The chaos is Absolutely. the initiation of change. And I think we would all three agree we knew change was coming, and we even prayed for change. But I don't think anyone expected this to be the change that showed up. So with that being said, let me ask a question first of all. Pastor Joe, how long have you been in ministry? You're going to make me date myself now. <laughs> Approximately 50 years. Okay. Yolanda and I pastoring. We actually did evangelism for about six years, five and a half or six years. And then we took our first church. I was 24 years old. And wow. so we have been nonstop. And when I say nonstop, I mean, we have literally, I think the most we've ever taken off your land is maybe a couple of weeks or so. I'm not yeah. saying that's wisdom. I'm not saying that's smart. And then anybody should strive to do that. I'm just saying that's right. where we've been years. Well, I've watched you in it and it's been an incredible journey. And if I've ever met a steadfast man, it is you and wisdom and revelation continually. Pastor Dick, how long have you been in ministry? Bishop, I started uh, as a youth leader uh, in 1978 up in the little town of Paradise, California that burned down, as you know, and is being rebuilt. And then I launched Jubilee Christian Center in 1980. So I have been pastoring for the last 40 years. And as most people know, Carl and I, we turned over our work to Ron and Hope Carpenter uh, yeah. two years ago, and they're doing great. And now we're doing as the Lord leads. And until this thing hit, we were traveling and uh, bringing. Well, I, bring, I, I, I will just say this to both of you. I know both of you very well. And I will tell this whole audience, there's no way that I can keep pace with you guys. You guys have more energy than the Energizer Bunny. It's amazing to see you guys' energy and, the, and how you produce is simply amazing to me. Pastor Dick, with all of that being said, the chaotic condition we're in, and we're in a defining moment in the history of church. We're making history. I say all the time, I'm so thrilled that God trusted us with this season. I would not have wanted to miss this season for the world. As Pastor Joe was saying, I think we're on the preface of the greatest move of God it seems like the more chaotic conditions get, the greater the move of God that succeeds that. And so I'm excited to see what's in the future. Pastor Dick, I want to ask you a question. What concerns you 
What concerns you the most for the church right now? What, what is your greatest concern for the body of Christ? Well, interesting you should ask that. Bishop, the last few weeks on my podcast, I've been talking about signs of end times. And I talked about the law of separation and how Jesus in Matthew 13, and then you get over in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, he talked about uh, you know, two men being in the field, one taken, one left. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. And then he talked about ten virgins, yep. five wise, five foolish. And the more I looked at that, was he warning us that only 50% of so-called Christians are saved? Wow. Because it looks like wheat tear, sheep, goats. It, it's like he stayed on this flow of us and them, but them thinking they're us. Mm. People going to church, people going through the motions, people, people, they have a Bible. They, uh, they acknowledge there's a God. Wow. They might even put a couple bucks in the bucket. You ask them if they're a Christian? Absolutely. But the Bible is very, very plain who's his mm -hmm. and who's not. Mm. Depart from me, so you work in iniquity. Church people, yeah. I never knew you. And so I think, as Joe was talking, and I think this is kind of where we're going, I think this, this weird, strange, unique, I'm 75, I never seen, I mean, Adolf Hitler was alive when I was born. I mean, I have never seen anything in my 75 years like this, but I think. God is dividing the sheep from the goats, mm. the wheat from the tares, mm. his and those who are not his. And it's this is this this pressure that's on the world is forcing people to either press into God, press into faith, press into his word, or they're going the way of the world because it's more comfortable. It might even be safer. Uh, Christians becoming more political than Christians, mm -hmm. which I'm all I'm all for voting. I'm all for supporting uh, Christian candidates, but there are there are people that seem to be slipping away from. You, know, you look at the first century church, and the more pressure the devil put on it, the faster it grew. The uglier Nero got, the faster it grew. By the time Constantine, in about 313 A.D. By the time Constantine came into power, one-third of Rome was Christian. Wow. They were, feeding, they were feeding Christians to the lions. They were burning them on stakes, making lampposts out of them. And yet, in all of this hell that Satan was bringing through the Neros and the others, the church exploded. Yeah. I think what we're going to see in this season is we're going to see the church explode like never before, because where do you turn? Yes. Where, where, where do you go? Washington D.C. Well, where do you go to find comfort and security and hope? There's no other place to go except the Word of God, the Spirit yeah. of God, and our living Father, our, our heavenly Father, and our risen Christ. Incredible wisdom, Pastor Dick. You know, I, I was looking at some stats the other day, and members of churches one-third of them are still with their church pre-covid church 
one-third of them have left their church, and one-third of the people that were going to church are not going to church at all. And the one-third that is still with their church spend 50% of their time watching other churches on the Internet. So I agree with this polarization idea. The Lord spoke to me the other day and said, do not fight the divide. Do not fight the divide because as a pastor, it is our tendency to want to hold, you know, hold our people and keep them close. And the Lord spoke that to me too. And there's, you know, we are seeing this in churches that people are leaving. And the Lord spoke to me very clear, let them go. Release them. Let them go. Don't fight to keep them. And um, so I, I fully concur with what you just get. Pastor Joe, what, what is your greatest concern? I mean, this... This has rattled the church to its core. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken right now. Well, in keeping with Pastor Dick and what he said uh, about the wheat and the tares, one of the most interesting things about the wheat and the tare, the word tare actually comes from the Greek word darnel. And darnel was actually, uh, if, if it got mixed in the harvest with the wheat, it would poison and in some rare cases killed, but it especially it would make them very sick and poison. Mm. And story, Jesus is approached in the story, what should we do? Separate them? No. Let them, and this, is, this for me has been a strong word, Pastor Dick just confirmed it, let them grow together. Mm. Let them grow together until harvest. And, and so the, the problem, and if you look at that a little bit deeper, what you find is that the wheat so resembled the darnel, the tares, so resembled the wheat, rather, that you could hardly make a distinction between what was wheat mm. and what, what was tares. And so the story and the analogy is let it grow together for now because if you get in the field trying to make a separation you're mm -hmm. going to make a mess and destroy the harvest and so for me uh you you know how i am i love scripture when i think of of a present state that we might be in right I, i'm looking for some, i'm looking for some parallel like pastor was just speaking of and I think for me, one of my greatest concerns is, is the, the loss of passion. Uh, just love, let's make it simple. Uh, just a love for church attendance, a love for assembly, of coming together. There's something very special, and man, it almost haunts me as I talk to you about it this evening, about people coming together. And there is a certain level of koinonia that a lot of people do not understand in that there is a level of synergy that is only derived in koinonia mm. when we assemble. Yes. Now, understand me, I thank God that we're able to do what we're doing tonight. And I'm not negating any of that. I, I'm very grateful for that. But at the, tr at, at the other side of things, we must remember that uh, there's some things in, in the synergy. I mean, it's like going to a concert. It's wonderful to watch it uh, via TV or, or, or even internet or whatever. I mean, I do some of that. But there's nothing like being in the, the permeating atmosphere and the energy and synergy that's taking place. And for me, one of the things that concerns me about where we are right now 
is that if the enemy can separate us, and you just talked about that, Pastor Rick, mm -hmm. how that there's a separation going on, and you gave the breakdown in the numbers, and how that he is trying to methodically disperse and separate us. If he can effectively separate us, then he can effectively dilute us. Wow. And I think so many options on the table for church life anymore. I mean, I'm talking to pastors right now. They're talking about literally shutting their doors oh, and yeah. going to internet church. Yep. And, and I'm talking to pastors that are saying, and, and I really, I, I, I'm open to this. I mean, you have to be open to things. I think we're also, we can talk about this later, but, but we're in a listening season. I don't think we can properly assess things if we're not willing to listen. And I want, I want to say this, even to people that we don't necessarily agree with. Mm -hmm. The only way I can balance judgment is for me to hear what somebody else is saying. Mm -hmm. And and I need to understand that God has us in a season. And when I say us, I'm talking with you, I'm not talking to you. But we're in a season of listening. I want to be on the hearing edge of what God is saying right yeah. now. And, and I believe saying a lot. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm reminded of, of the Song of Solomon. And, and, and of course, we, we know that, that, that it is a prophetic song of the groom, the bride, which we have always ran a parallel to the church. And, and, and so, but in the story of, of chapter five and, and somewhere around verses three or so, in the Song of Solomon, in the prophetic song of the bride, the groom, which is the church, there is the story where, and I love the way the scripture is written. It's not he is knocking at the door, but his voice is knocking mm. at the door. Yeah. And as he is standing at the door, he is standing at the door of the bride, which we know to be the church. And he is seeking uh, to be ushered in. And as he stands there, the response of the church, if you will, the response of the bride is, I'm asleep. My heart is awake. Mm -hmm. But, and I think this is in keeping with what Pastor Dick was saying just a moment ago. We got people who love God, no question about it. They, they consider themselves Christians and, 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 and are Christians. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have become a very passive people and we love the comfort of being at home and being able to push buttons and get a word without even having to get yeah, out of bed. True. And so this is where the bride is. She says her response is as his voice is knocking at the door, she responds, I'm asleep. My heart is awake though, which is prophetic for me of the church that is in a very uh, lethargic and complacent, uh, and maybe for me, even a better terminology would be a comatose state. Yeah. And, you know, we're told that people who are in a coma don't necessarily, uh, they may not necessarily be able to respond, but many times they are hearing, they just cannot respond. And I think that the church right now, for me, is, is when I look at it and assess, I think that the church is somewhat in a comatose state and the groom is waiting to be ushered in. Mm -hmm. And and 
quickly by the time that the bride, I mean, you, you remember her response is, look, I have, I have washed my feet. Right. I, I have put, put my coat off. My robe is off for the day and the evening. And, and I'm, I've slipped in, into bed. I'm comfortable. I'm about half asleep. Mm-hmm. And, and I, my heart's with you, but, but, but I can't, I can't see myself getting up just yet. And by the time the bride eventually goes to the door, and for me, it is so sobering, is that when she gets to the door, she opens the door and he is gone. And the first thing that hits her in her face is a lingering fragrance right. of where God or her groom once stood. Wow. And, and I guess what concerns me is that, that if we're not cautious, we can, we can lie in the bed of comfort and still get a word and still send our tithes. And, and I know I probably will be shot for this because I, I want to give this disclaimer. I am very grateful for people. We have them in our church that support our ministry. They're, they're, I mean, they're faithful. They love God, but they're very afraid right now. And I respect that. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus right now. I respect that. But my major concern is that we better see, on the other hand, what the enemy is up to, and we better remember that we want more than just the lingering fragrance. If we keep giving things away as a church, yeah. we won't have enough to give. Yeah. I called recently about, I want you to come out and preach us a revival. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I said to them, my response was, how many nights are you thinking? Oh, they said, oh, I'm not talking about just maybe Sunday night. Well, you know, revival anymore is a Sunday night. Yeah. For me, preach seven week. My wife and I preach seven week night revivals. Right. And many times, take a, a rest night because right. we had such a moment. And I guess what I'm saying to you is that, like the bride, she eventually goes into the streets. And I believe that's where the church is right now. It's yeah. seeking, it's it's searching. And she goes into the streets and she begins to lift her voice. She cries out, but she cannot find her groom. Mm-hmm. And she eventually, what you talked about at the very outset of this tonight, this Zoom call, and that is this. She found the watchman. Yeah. And when she found the watchman, she eventually found the groom. Wow. I personally, I really believe, and I feel the power of the spirit right now as I talk to you, I really, really believe that the pulpit is coming back. The yes. preacher is The back. preacher's coming back. I agree. I, res- I respect the song. I love the song. I love the new music. But we have some way got to become Neo and marry the old with the new. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, many of us, like for me, Pastor Dick and myself, we are baby boomers. And we've got, what, two generations now ahead of us succeeding us and, 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 a, and a Z generation that we're evolving into now. We've right. got boomers, yeah. X, Y, and now we're looking at Z. And we're trying to, trying to, how can I say, transition our Y generation right. back where the boomers and it'll never happen. Right. I grew up Bonanza when Ben Cartwright sat at the end of the table and the whole family, <laughs> the daughter-in-laws, the son-in-laws, and everybody yeah. sat together. Yeah. They grew up on the 
stage. Right. And I think that we're trying to implement something that we may never see again. Right. Because we're not in the agricultural years, we're not in the industrial years, and we've got to understand, as you quoted, the men of Issachar understood their times. And knew what to do. We are identified not by our age, right. but we are identified by our year that we were born when it comes to the identification of our generation. Right. And so I believe as the book of Nehemiah says in eight and four, and I love that passage where he says that the scholar, one translation says the, the scholar Ezra stood up upon the pulpit, the pulpit that was made for the occasion and the people's ears were attentive. One translation says they were all ears to the revelation right. of God's word. And I believe that we are evolving and we're making full circle back to the preacher. Yeah, I fully agree. And this is the, the emphasis in this season is the word. And you, you gave us a volume there of stuff. Uh, I'll just extract a few things. You know, learners in this season are going to be leaders in the next season. You can't learn without listening. You hit on that. It's very important. And it's very important for us to hear what is succeeding us, not just what preceded us. The pontifex you talked about of trying to connect these generations is the challenge. And then you talked about a return to the word. The emphasis has been on worship for about two decades, and we should never underemphasize worship. But right now, there is a hunger for the word of God. Pastor Dick, what excites you about the future of the church? I mean, as you look, as you peer into the future, what gets you excited? Well, I think, Rick, it's the young people coming up. As you and Sam Rodriguez a few weeks ago talked about 1968. I was, I was there in 68. I was uh, going to the concerts, uh, 67, 68, 69. I remember all the turmoil uh, going on in the streets, the, the anti Vietnam protests, as we touched on a little bit earlier, the Democratic Convention in Chicago was a was a looked like Portland, Oregon. Now it was yeah. a mess. But out of that came Calvary Chapel. And out, out of that came the Jesus movement, as you and Sam touched on earlier. And I think what's going on now is creating this environment for these millennials, some of them, some of them protesting tonight somewhere. Yep. There are going to be some of those passionate people on the streets of, of injustice and, and we call them anarchists, and some are, but some of them may be the greatest preachers America has, or the world has ever seen in yes. the next 10 years because they are so passionate about correcting what they perceive as right or wrong. Now, get them into the Word, get them anointed, get them baptized in the Holy Ghost. As Joe said, give them a pulpit. And they may build some of the greatest churches this world has ever seen. And that's, I pray I live long enough to see at least the start of the next great revival in America that will sweep around the world. And you know, two, two words, and, and Joe and I, we, we're about the same age. Two words for, for us who are fathers that we need to leave as our legacy. It's identity and security. Mm. That's what young young people need. They need to know who they are. 
They need to appreciate who they are. Man. As, as when we were young preachers, I copied everybody. I copied Kenneth Hagin. I mean, if I heard a sermon, I'd, I'd steal it and preach it. I'd comb my hair like Oral Roberts. I mean, I, I didn't know who I was because I wasn't confident in being Dick Burnell. Yeah. But thank Mr. Summerall, Dr. Cho, and Oral Roberts especially, who said, Dick, you're different. Be different. We like you different. Quit trying to be everybody else. You be Dick Burnell. And I think that's guys like Joe and I, we can help this, this up and coming generation of being comfortable in their anointing, comfortable in their own skin, no matter what color it is, comfortable, comfortable in their gender, male or female, to be comfortable in how Christ wired them and made them, and then to be secure. Yes. And I think that's what fathers do. Fathers, fathers offer security. It's got, I don't know how many times I sat down with Oral, Dr. Cho, and I was going through hell. And they'd just look at me and kind of laugh. Oh, come back and talk to me when you got a real problem. And I flew all the way to Korea because I, 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 I thought it was the end of the world. And I'm in the hot tub with Dr. Cho. And he listened to me moan and groan. And he just laughed. He said, Dick, you have little small demons. Dr. Cho have big, big demons. <laughs> You have big, big, big demons. You come and see Cho. Cho yeah. help you. I got the airplane. I laughed all the way back to California. I like, you know what? I'm gonna get through this. My yeah. pastor said my demons are small and my God is big. I'm gonna get through this, which looked like the end of the world. And I think that's what fathers do is they offer security and help youngsters with identity. Wow. Man, that's good stuff, Pastor Dick. Awesome. You're talking about you're talking about spiritual fathers and legacy and and I love that thought of you know you want to see them firmly establishing their identity and feel secure in who they are and that's what fathers provide. Um, Pastor Joe, I know you know about spiritual fathering. As you stand on the wall and look at what's going on as a watchman, what what would you say you? What would you tell preachers? This is what I would expect of you guys during this season. Even though we've never been here, there are certain principles that can't be violated, you know. And so what would you, what would you tell a succeeding generation coming after you, sons and daughters or a younger generation of preachers, what would you expect of them during this time? I, I believe that... Um as, as fathers and sons, as they relate to one another, uh, I think it's hard to, to transfer an anointing that is upon a father to a son without that son having really known who that father is. And, um, you know, and I say that because I've had through the years people come to me and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but wanting to be a son, it's, it's, for me, it's next to impossible to be a true son without some experience and time with the Father. Mm. And I think it's the same thing that is indicated in the Word of God. And, and you know, you guys know how that in the uh, Aaronic priesthood, uh, you, you know, the, the priest, the fathers were to take the coat, place it upon the sons, and the sons, of course, were anointed. They would pour the 
the oil up on their head flow uh, through the beard. And of course, you're, we're all familiar with Psalms 133 and how that it would flow into the garment or the coat, mm-hmm. you will, and saturate the coat. But this was not just one, one ordination. This was ordinations of years yeah. where sons were being saturated with oil and wearing a coat of the father. So they would take the, the coat of the father, place it upon the son. They would pour the oil upon him. And once again, the coat that had been drenched many times before was drenched and saturated again. And then the sons had to wear that coat for seven days. Wow. And they would wear that coat seven days and minister in that coat. And there's a lot of other things that that are linked to this, but the brevity of it is they would minister for seven days. And and for me, when I read that and I understand it, uh, they were to wear that coat to get the smell of the father's coat, the smell of the anointing, the smell of the oil, if you will. And uh, as sun's coming on, I think it's so, I think it's so really not important, but imperative is a better word for them to come under the wing of a father. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's good for them to see the risings and the fallings of even a father. Yeah. Even Jesus told his disciples, you are the ones who have continued with me in my temptations and my testings. And, and, and so I guess what I'm saying is that uh, as they would wear this coat and minister in this coat, and of course the smell of oil is not always a pleasant smell, but especially in the fabric and, and it's yeah. in its years. And so becoming familiar with the coat of the father is necessary to produce a son. Wow. And I, I don't know that, that we want to go to that extent yeah, and and I think that it's impossible for me to see that negated, if you will. The, the spiritual father has got to, as Pastor Dick Burnell was saying, pass that baton to the next generation, yeah. to our sons, and they have got to have some sense of anointing and understanding and experience. And um, so, I, I really believe. That I was in a, in fact, I was in a, and I was hesitant to say this, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to divulge this. But I was in a conference, Yelena and I, and and it was a conference about fathering, etc. And um, one of the ministers come up to me, a pastor, and he said, "What?" His question was, "What is happening to our sons?" Mm. And I'll tell you what he said. He said, "Our sons are becoming bastards." Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, uh, he said, I, I don't understand what's going on. And I think that many times we're producing what is called or so-called sons when they do not have the, the smell of the coat and the wearing of the coat. Wow. And they have long enough and we're trying to produce something that does not have the experience. And where there's a lack of experience, there will always be great embarrassment. Mm. But I absolutely believe that there will be sons because it is mandated in God's word as we all know yeah 
strong, man. And I agree with you. There, there seems to be a sonship issue right now. And I believe that is part of this whole reset button that God has pushed. Absolutely. To align Absolutely. sonship and get that back in order. What, is, what does legacy mean to you guys? Pastor Dick, I, you know, I watched you. And you're supposed to be in retirement. And you're busier now than you've probably ever been. But what, is, what, what does legacy stand for? What does that mean to you? Is it important to you? Uh, very much so. You, you want people, and, and maybe a little of my ego is wrapped up in this too, but I want to leave, you know, the, the, the Bernals, as you know, the Bernals uh, 200 and some odd years ago helped settle uh, Northern California. My, my name's all over the place, Bernal Road, Bernal. There's even a Bernal Church, which people think is my church. It's Bernal Baptist Church. Yeah. And there's a, there's a Spanish legacy in, in California. Now, having said that, you, you look into it and it wasn't all good. There was some corruption. There was a, a whole lot of things with the Catholic Church and the Indians and a lot of stuff coming to the, coming to the fore now. But I had a prophecy over me, Rick, uh, in 1981 from a, a preacher out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I saw a little conference, about 40 people, and he stood up. He said, Dick, the word of the Lord is, just as, just as your forefathers came to this land, Northern California, to settle it for God of the Catholics and the King of Spain, God has sent you back to your home turf to establish the kingdom of God mm. for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, we, you know, we had the largest church in Northern California for many years and, and by the grace of God, because I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't consider myself the sharpest knife in the theological drawer to tell you the truth. And I had no idea what I was doing, but people by the thousands came and so there's a, there's a legacy here that I'm very, very proud of in Northern California, Silicon Valley, in the shadow of San Francisco. Uh, God allowed Carl and I to plant a seed, to grow a tree, produce fruit, and now I'm fertilizing it with prayer, and Ron and Hope are, are taking it to uh, the next level. But to leave, to, to have my children, and as Joe said, spiritual sons and daughters, talk about me 20 30 40 50 years from now it's like it's not what would not what is i have a wristband what would tiger hit on the golf course it's <laughs> it's what what would dick do what would what would pastor dick do in this situation wow. able to leave a legacy through books and teaching and communication and personal time as joe said to where even after i'm in heaven uh, i'm still helping people just as I'm reading books by some of the old timers that have gone before the Lord yeah. or gone, to, gone before, uh, gone before us. And they're still blessing me. There's, I mean, David's helping me when I'm in, I read the Psalms, God bless King David. He's helping me. Paul helps me every day. And of course the Lord and, and the other great writers of, of, of the Bible. But to me, to leave the fact, Lester Summerall said this, he goes back in 1983, he said, Dick, plant a tree that people can eat on for the next three, 400 years. Yeah. Producing fruit, plant something that's, that's going to continue to produce good fruit. Man, that's good. 
Legacy is important, isn't it? Pastor Joe, talk to us about legacy. Well, I agree with Pastor Dick Burnell 100%. Um, I, I, I think legacy is, is far more reaching than teaching somebody how to preach, mm-hmm. somebody to teach, somebody how to build a church. Uh, and I'm so uh, on with what he's saying. Uh, I would love, somebody said it so well when they said, you should attend your funeral before you ever die. Because what you want said, what you want to be uh, stated at your funeral, you you need to have gone there first. And yeah. I guess for me, uh, I have found myself on occasion um, driving by uh, my dad's cemetery, pulling down that little side road. And there is a, at the time we, we buried him, it was a small oak tree there, which has gotten to be a large water oak now. And um, I, I, will, I have found myself on occasion drive by there and ask dad, my father, what should I do in this particular wow. situation? Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to always make sure that there's something left behind that is a friendly reminder that I have been there before. And um, I, I really believe that there's, there's Dick, Pastor Dick, I believe there, you and I have stood in the temple and we have watched over the bread and we have served hot bread. But in the exchanging of the bread in the temple, you will remember while there were two priests standing in the temple at the bread, watching yesterday's bread, there were two priests on their way with fresh bread out of the hot oven. Mm. They got there, they would put the fresh bread on the table that was hot out of the oven, while yesterday's bread, yesterday's priest exited. And I'm saying that there is exchanging of bread and the bread of God's presence and who's carrying it right now that's taking place. And there is, and I feel a prophetic on me right now, yeah. there is a order of ministry coming on the scene. Yes. And when they are, they will have fresh bread. Mm. We cannot continue to feed people yesterday's bread. We have got to have bread fresh out of the oven. And there is a bride in the streets that is seeking it, and we must deliver on it. Mm. And so I think in the passing of the baton, as we talked about earlier, and there's got to be, there has to be a permeating fragrance of God's presence and the fresh bread that is in our midst. I, I tell you that, you know, when, when Paul looked at Timothy and Timothy was in some dire straits at the time and he left a charge over him and he, he reminded him, he said, you have the faith of your mother and your grandmother. Mm-hmm. And that's legacy. Mm-hmm. That's legacy. It did not originate with you, but it has been passed down to you. And having the faith of your grandmother 
that was passed to your mother mm. and now it is passed down to you and it is deep in your spiritual DNA. And he said something that's so amazing. He said, Timothy, you have an unfeigned faith. And that word is an interesting word because it means without mixture, without alloy. Yeah, it man. means pure faith. It is organic. It is authentic. It is not something that has been manufactured, but it is something that is fresh, as fresh as the sun will be on the horizon in the morning. Mm. And so I tell you, Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. We are for a ride. Mm -hmm. I believe, and I'm going to say this. I really, people think I'm crazy for saying this. I thank God for this season because it is giving us a good look at who is who. Yes. And as Pastor earlier, where the wheat is, where the tares are. Yes, we will grow together. And it is hard sometimes to distinguish who is who and what is what. But I tell you, there is, in the midst of this separation, there is a harvest that is coming. Wow. Amen. Man, I feel that thing. I felt the Holy Ghost with you right there. Listen, guys, get your questions ready. We're going to be done in about five minutes. So get your questions ready, and we want to be able to answer those for you. Uh, put them in the comments. Pastor Josh is here to help me sort through those real quick don't preach the sermon men of god but i'm going to ask you a question uh because this question is loaded and i know both of you if I, when i ask it you're going to be tempted to go with the whole sermon what's the most important sermon you ever preached who, who, who first pastor dick well as as you know about 30 years ago oral roberts on a golf course commissioned me to preach i hear a sound because of the blessing that really helped build Jubilee. And first, first Kings, I believe it's 1841, in the, in the worst times, the worst times of Israel, Elijah said, go tell the king to get ready. Go tell the government to get ready. Go tell the nation to get ready. I hear a sound of abundance coming. Do you hear that sound right now, Pastor Dick? I absolutely do. In fact, my book will be out soon because I just, I had to write about, as Joe said earlier about the sound of the watchman to the brides or to the to the bridemaids, whatever, uh, nothing good happens, Rick, until somebody doesn't say something that God backs up. Everything yeah. starts. Everything starts with a sound. Yeah. And then sight. Day of Pentecost. First a sound, then a sight, then new speech. Yeah. Speech comes. I hear a sound of God coming like never before to the body. First, judgment yes. starts in the house of God, and then spread to the nations. You know what? I sense that you feel that, and it's genuine to you. You know, I, I, I can feel it right here in this seat. What you're saying is genuine to you, and you really do believe that, Pastor Dick. And, and I do, too. I hear a sound of something coming in the future that is bringing the greatest revival that we've seen. And I'm not saying that as a, as a form of rhetoric. There's something that is revelatory about that word. And uh, Pastor Joe, what about you? What is the most important sermon you've ever preached?
for me, not necessarily the church, but for me personally. Either perspective. First Peter 1 and 9. Salvation of the mind was a, was a sermon I preached some years ago. Salvation of the mind. First Peter 1 and 9 where he says, Receiving the end of your faith. The salvation of the soul, which is translated mind. mind. Wow. When I transitioned to understand that I can transcend time and I can be relevant <laughs> because I, I have my mind. Wow. Okay, another, another question for you guys. Worst mistake you ever made in ministry? Pastor Dick? Hiring people. <laughs> Ones. Hiring the wrong people. Pastor Joe, worst mistake you ever made in ministry? Oh, man, trying so hard, Yolanda and I both, to take people where they're not willing to go. Just trying to make them to become something that they're not willing to become. Promoting, I will say this, in keeping with what Pastor Dick Burnell said, promoting people that were not ready, and it boomeranged on me. Yeah. Jesus said that a hundredfold, some a sixtyfold, some that are a hundred, a thirtyfold. And one of the worst mistakes you can make is take a thirtyfold producing leader and put them in a hundredfold leadership Ooh position. Wee. They're going to make an embarrassment to everybody. Wow. Best decision you ever made in ministry, Pastor Joe? Best decision I ever made was discerning opportunity, and there's been many of them and just like right here with the church, buying yeah. love and having an instant equity and today being able to reap the benefits and enjoy the discernment of opportunity. Love it. Love it. Pastor Dick? John Osteen, I had $5 million burning a hole in my pocket. Dan and Paul Crouch wanted to go on daily TV on TBN. It was going to cost a couple million dollars to get started. Back in, this was back in the day. I spent the afternoon with John Osteen at Lakewood Church. And he uh, brought such wisdom to me. He said, what has God called you to do, Dick? I said, build a church in Northern California in the San Jose area. He said, well, why don't you go ahead and build that church and let the other things fall in place? Yeah. Because I was tempted. I was tempted. But when I flew home from Houston, Texas, oh, I just kept hearing old John Osteen's wisdom in my ear. We paid off that piece of land, and there stands a gorgeous campus today. You guys have left incredible legacy. You're still incredibly profound in your revelation, and I bet you feel very relevant right now, don't you? Both of you. Oh, Do you just feel <laughs> I agree, and, and as I'm it's listening... Good yeah, as I'm listening to you guys, you, you, I hear Caleb talking to us. You guys sound like Caleb. You're like, give me my mountain now. Now I'm ready for it. And uh, that's, that's the feeling that is coming across online tonight. Josh, we have any questions? First question that came in is, I notice Ron Carpenter gives altar calls for salvation every service now. Why do we not see this in most churches today? Did you get that question, guys? Ron Carpenter's giving altar calls for salvation at every service now. I guess that's insinuating he hasn't always done that. And why aren't we seeing that more in churches today? 
for, for uh, 38 years, I gave an altar call at the end of the service, either me or Pastor Adam, my son. Ron does it at the beginning of the service, right after praise and worship. But the one thing that Jubilee Redemption ha have never stopped doing was giving people a, a chance to accept Christ in the service. Absolutely. It, it, Likewise. Okay, good. Well, that, that, so no more questions from there. Okay, last, last point for me. My question to you guys is what's next? What is next, Pastor Joe? I believe we need to, uh, as I said earlier, we need to remain uh, on the listening edge, the hearing edge. Uh, I believe the, uh, when you read in the book of Revelation of the seven churches of Asia Minor, I don't believe that's just indicative of what was, but I believe that's also indicative of the state of the church to come. And of course, there are various states there in those seven churches. But one thing that is emphatic for me is that every time that God wrote to the angel or the pastor of that church, he was always saying, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So good. You know, I, I, read, a, I read a story, true story, uh, and I'm going to be quick about this, but in New York, I had, I, in fact, I think I still have the article somewhere, but there was a man who'd been stabbed on the sidewalk, and he was bleeding profusely and he's he managed to crawl up the steps and at the door and he was struggling for his life uh he was knocking at the door and 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 dying at the same time and as he kept knocking at the door he literally died knocking and the article i'll never forget the article stated knocking at the door of a deaf man mm. and what had happened all the doors that he chose to knock at and to knock upon he chose the door of a deaf man the man was inside mm. the owner was inside but he couldn't hear and my my observation is that we have got to be on the hearing edge and hear what the spirit is saying even the least whim of the spirit because god always speaks where there are there is as you said earlier chaos man if we will listen there's a subtle voice and he's speaking right now it's just a matter of who is listening who is hearing absolutely pastor dick what's next in closing what is next let me close with the wheat and tear because we got onto this a moment ago yeah and as you know, and you know this too but my son Adam preached a sermon on this a couple of months ago. As they're growing, as Joe said, you can't tell the difference. And the roots get tangled up with each other. And so Jesus said, leave them alone until the harvest. Right. When wheat matures, the head of wheat is golden and so heavy it bows in humility and gratitude. The tear the head turns a dark, dark purple, almost blackish purple, and the seeds are very black and toxic, as Joe said, and they stand upright in pride and arrogance to the Creator. What I see coming next across this nation is a spirit of humility and mm. gratitude yes. Yes. that God yeah. got us through this. And yeah. we're coming out on the other side better than when we went in. Jesus said, 
let us go to the other side. What he forgot to tell them is there's a demon over there waiting for us, but that demon right. evangelist that's going to take revival to Decapolis, and the next time Jesus went to Decapolis, revival broke out. So we're going to get to the other side. It may not be pretty. It may, it may not be exactly what we think it's going to be, but God has a plan, and it's going to be awesome. You guys have just imparted such wisdom tonight, and I can't thank you enough for your time again. I wanted this to feel like we were sitting in your living rooms with you, and you were speaking from the seat of wisdom, and I think we've accomplished that tonight. The comments we were getting are very encouraging, and again, thank you both for taking your time. Pastor Dick, next week, I've got your son with me, Adam Burnell, with, uh, with Dr. Lynn Hiles, and two historians. So it's going to be a great table talk next week. Um, Pastor Joe, we love you. Pastor Dick, we love you guys. Thank you so much for your time. Do not miss next week, folks. It's going to be very powerful. We're going to turn it over to Pastor Christian right now. God bless you, and thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you.